incoming transmission. Apologies, my co-host is normally with me. Couldn't be here today. He's caught the dreaded winter flu, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, but he did uh, he did ask me to pass on that he absolutely adores the Shangri-La design and the uh, Enterprise G. He was always a big fan of that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for um, him for, for me. Yeah. <laughs> he, he actually we actually have video proof of that because we did a top 10 starships uh, episode a while ago on the podcast and he did include what at the time what we thought was the Titan A because it hadn't the series hadn't finished it hadn't been rechristened as the Enterprise and mm -hmm. it was still on his list of top 10 ships in the franchise so He's a fan. Hello there, faithful viewers, and welcome back to another special episode of the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. I am a regular host and your host for this one, Captain Michael Wilson, uh, and this is another special episode. It's not a review or anything. It's another one of our semi-regular interviews uh, with people of interest or notable folk from uh, within the, the Star Trek universe. Uh, this one is an interview that I conducted uh, just a few days ago with uh, Bill Krause. Now, if you're not familiar with, uh, with Bill Krause, he is a... Uh, a model maker and a video photography producer from Ohio in the USA. Uh, he's been making models for years, uh, initially as a fan of various franchises, including Star Trek. And he's been working in the uh, the Star Trek universe uh, since 2018. Um, he started out making uh, digital images and various things for the Star Trek ships of the line calendars. Uh, he's contributed to that every year since 2018, up to and including 2024's version of the calendar. Uh, and in the process of sort of contributing uh, stuff for that and his own physical models, which he tends to prefer, uh, he has reproduced models of starships and things from the various Trek franchises, but he's also come up with designs for ships that didn't previously exist that would fit into that world that he comes up with himself. Uh, and in the process of that, one of the ships that he came up with uh, was the uh, the USS Wasp or the Wasp class, sometimes called the USS Hornet or the Wasp Interceptor. Uh, it's a design that he sort of refined from another place, but it was a design that he eventually would refine into the uh, the USS Intrepid, the Dudestadt class in Star Trek Picard season three. Uh, yeah, and lots of lots of other things that he's worked on, but perhaps most notably, uh, he came up with another class uh, called the Shangri-La class, which if you see it, and hopefully I'll be able to pop it on screen, is quite clearly uh, the forebear of the Constitution three class that would become the Titan A and importantly the Enterprise G in Star Trek Picard. So Bill is basically the, the father of the new Starship Enterprise, which is a pretty uh, a pretty big uh, deal and a, a pretty noble uh, thing to be able to see on your CV, I would think. So yeah, um, I spent the interview just chatting with Bill about how he got started, his introductions to Star Trek, what it was like being hired initially for Ships of the Line and then to work on Star Trek Picard, how these kind of ship designs went and such. And uh, yeah, Hopefully it makes for an entertaining and informative interview. Uh, so without any further ado, I'm going to cross over to myself 
Uh, I had to conduct this interview on my own because, unfortunately, my regular co-host, DK, was unwell. He's been uh, crippled a little bit with the uh, the dreaded winter flu, unfortunately, so he wasn't able to make it. But hopefully uh, I've held the fort quite well with some interesting questions. So, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy this interview. And, uh, yeah, over to me and Bill Krabs. So, uh, yeah, welcome back to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast. I am your regular host, uh, Michael Wilson, uh, on camera here. <laughs> and I... Um, I'm joined for an interview by uh, a legend somewhat in the Star Trek circles, uh, a Starship designer, model maker, a video and photography producer, and among other things, the co-designer of the Enterprise G, uh, Mr. Bill Krauss. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, yeah, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming and chatting with us. Uh, I have a few questions that uh, I've put together for you, if it's okay. So I'm going to just jump straight in and say that the first question we always ask uh, all of our guests is, what was your introduction to Star Trek? It's always fascinating to learn. Uh, was there a moment that you just can picture that you were hooked on the franchise and, and you enjoyed it? And in your case, was there a moment that specifically triggered your interest in the ships? I was introduced to uh, Star Trek when it was in uh, syndication, the original series back in the early 70s. Um, I was a little too young to have seen it in, when it first aired in the, the late 60s, but I caught it in this first run of syndication um, which played, I think, on Saturday afternoons, uh, and myself and my my neighbors watched it regularly, and we all dressed up. At that time, we can get like a T-shirt that had the Star Trek logo. I'm here, I'm wearing one right now. But um, <laughs> we all played Star Trek in our in the street in the backyard uh, back in the '70s, and that was how I got introduced introduced to Star Trek. But uh, of course, starships themselves being another character of the show was something I had always loved and being a model maker and, and having that access to build models of of the show from the ship from the show was a great thing to be, to be doing back then. Awesome. Uh, I know that we've talked about it at length on the podcast, but I think for me and uh, for my co-host, we probably would say the moment that we fell in love with the ship designs was the uh, the motion picture, that first gorgeous shot of the refit Enterprise, um, which isn't to say that we didn't love the original Matt Jeffries design, but it's just we think that was basically like you improved on perfection. Um, and right. was, was that a similar experience for you when you saw, because a lot of your models are from that era. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, when you saw Star Trek when it was airing on TV, it was just, you know, a blurry kind of image that just swept right past you know the camera and you couldn't really get a good look at it and uh when you saw it in the motion picture you saw it huge up close it was real and you saw every little detail and hull panel and and bolt and it at that, at that moment it was like a real ship and you've kind of fell in love with it from that point so and it felt real and that's when i yeah. think i fell in love with you know starships i think even yeah. more so than originally original series yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, so how did you get started designing your own ships and uh, and constructing such detailed sort of gorgeous models? Uh, when I got back into the hobby again, after having um, spent a lot of time with um, going through college and getting married and having kids and all that, and um, I had more free time to devote, devote to my hobby. And uh, I just had this kind of like a built up, pent up anxiety for designing something different um, and something new and just not building another enterprise kit because everyone had enterprise kits and I wanted to build something that kind of no one else had and and wanted to see more of other portions of the fleet that you may not have seen in the original show and I think when we, we saw the Reliant in Star Trek 2 we realized oh there's more ships out there than just the enterprise so I had this yeah. kind of idea well what are other 
classes of ships look like? What what do scouts and destroyers and light cruisers and all that kind of things look like? So I started thinking of ideas to build other 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 starships, and uh, I think the Shangri-La was one of the first ones I had built um, back in 2014. Uh, getting back in the hobby and just kind of had some rough sketches and ideas of things I wanted to kind of experiment with, and uh, yeah. I think it was inspired by a set of fan blueprints called the USS Hornet. It, had, it featured like this cutout hull, primary hull. And I thought, well, I can use that for my next design. And that was what inspired that hull shape at that time. And uh, that Hornet eventually became, as you know, as the Intrepid and Neuterstadt. But back then, this, these are blueprints from like the mid-1980s. Uh, but yeah. I mean, Larry Miller, he had done this ship called the, the Hornet, which had this kind of stinger hull. And I was like, pretty cool. So I eventually made a model of, my version of that called the wasp at the same time as it did the the, the shangri-la so the, the shang and wasp were kind of like sister ships for me and then now you see them in picard as you know titan and, and intrepid but back 10 years ago they were just some model i had built for fun yeah but they i mean they're fantastic they fit perfectly into the lineage of the show and you can tell that there's some genuine kind of care and attention that's gone into it um all of your models look like they they are straight off the screen i will say and the designs themselves are fantastic. Um, I'm a huge Starship nerd, not as much as my co-host, who I mentioned off screen. He's a huge fan of the, the Shangri-La uh, design back in the day. Mm -hmm. He has some really obscure kind of facile role-playing Star Trek knowledge that I don't have, so he knows all about these really bizarre-looking ships that they had on there. And yeah. he did ask me to ask you if you ever played any of those and were you aware of like the Starship designs that you could make out of this for yourself? I I'd played uh, the, the FASA... I think it was called Starfleet Battles back in the early 80s. And they were kind of just given um, kind of TOS era ships to play with. And it's kind of a, a strategy game um, with moving ships around a board with, with against opponents. But there was not much in the way of unique design. It was just there's a Federation ship, there's a Klingon ship, there's a Roundland ship, and then mm. that's what you got to play with. And so uh, other than looking at other fan designs that were just being produced unofficially, um, looking for different ideas. That was what I think more it really inspired me to do my own stuff was seeing what other people were doing uh, rather than what was being done officially at the time. So um, I think the people are afraid, I think, of uh, kind of creating outside the box. Um, mm. I feel like a lot of the facet designs, they kind of just rearrange the existing components. Here's your primary saucer. Here's your, your secondary hull. Here's some engines. And you kind of rearrange them in different configurations. Okay, here's another ship. Yeah. There's another ship. Yeah. Another ship. Well, it's the same thing. So <laughs> this kind of arranged differently. And I kind of thought, well, I should introduce a little bit some other kind of design language that would kind of create my own look and feel, but still look Star Trek. So yeah. Yeah, sure. I think that's one of the things that's uh, that, that I noticed that like I said, it's it's of a lineage in terms of the actual show, but it is very much its own thing. And you mentioned the Wasp Interceptor, which mm -hmm. became the the Dudestat class, the Intrepid, um, which by all accounts shouldn't necessarily work because it doesn't seem to have a secondary hole and yet for some reason the silhouette and everything and the way you designed it just really fits <laughs> yeah they don't all have the same have to have the same amount of components as the enterprise i mean and every ship yeah. has got its own specific pacific specific mission and profile so i mean as long as it's got two engines and some place to hold the crew that's all you need you can configure the, the hull and the engines however you want um yeah. it doesn't have to have the same things that the enterprise did so uh, and the wasp was something that it was unique and in fact that it had a, 
sort of a secondary hull. It was kind of like a cylinder that was below the primary. It wasn't as big as a standard secondary hull, but it still had a function. And it was, it's a different ship, so it required a different look. So, yeah. Awesome. That's what it was. Um, so, yeah, obviously you, uh, you have Tyco Shipyards now. Um, and I was just curious how that kind of got started in a business and what was the process like of kind of starting that and growing it over the years and uh, making your hobby into something that would provide cash, I guess? Yeah, I think part of my uh, my, my non or my internal canon was to create a fictional shipyard. So I'm sitting here working on these models every single day and then I'm building one after another. And so I, I'm trying to think outside, okay, if this were a real shipyard, where is it? What's it called? You know, and so I just kind of like my own headcanon created this Tycho yard thing. And, and a lot of my Star Trek aesthetic borrows from 2001 and Space Odyssey. So um, Tycho was part of the 2001 uh, where they discovered the uh, the monolith on the moon in Tycho Crater. They called it TMA-1. So I thought, well, it'd be kind of a cool place to, to build a shipyard on the moon, either in orbit or in the crater. But it's, it's Tycho shipyard and it's kind of in that kind of universe but in the future yeah oh that's so cool yeah i'm a huge fan of 2001 talk about borrowing from the classics that's uh, oh yes yeah awesome didn't even put that connection together but now that you mentioned it i can definitely see it yeah people think um, it's part of uh what's that uh, other tv show the um, expanse uh, which also uses Tycho, oh. as well, but it's not related to that mine was before Fair that enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, haven't watched that, but I do mean to at some point. I keep getting told I would enjoy it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, the next question was, um, your first official work for the Star Trek franchise was as a contributor to the Star Trek Ships of the Line calendars, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. um, basically, how, how did that come about? And it must have been a thrill to get the official, you know, the word working on an official Star Trek product. Oh, for sure. I, I think uh, it was about 2017. I was, I'd been posting a lot of my Starship and models uh, on my Facebook and social media. I just I take a photo of my finished model and I've composited against a background or a space background and then got noticed by by Doug Drexler who was editing and put, putting together the, uh, the calendars and asked if I would wanna contribute to the next calendar. They go, sure. And I think it was the Wasp that was the first composite that uh, I did for that. And it was something I had done on my own and uh, he really liked it. So he basically wanted that for the, for the calendar and I've been doing it ever since. So it's been now probably eight or nine years I've been working on this. Yeah. So it's always well, one, of the <laughs> one of the things I love about it is that there they seems to be kind of an almost ongoing universe in those ships of the line calendars. And when I was researching you, I obviously found out which ones it was that you specifically contributed. And you can kind of tell they're all of a, of a type. Uh, and they were almost all my favorites from the sort of the um, the Wasp Interceptor shot or the various enemies at the gates, I think it was called, was another. Or yeah. like the Javelin shuttle, which is gorgeous. Um, so is there a, like, like with your sort of Tycho shipyard business, is there a headcanon that you have where you kind of play out all of these things that your ships are doing and then come up with a, a, a picture that would capture that for the calendar? Or is it just like, oh, I'll just do this on the day? <laughs> It depends on the, the calendar year. I mean, sometimes Doug has a, a theme in mind. Um, mm. he'll, he'll tell all the other uh, contributors, like, this is what we're going to do this year. And so it's either the picture basically has to tell a story in, in uh, at first glance. And uh, it's not just a pretty picture of a ship flying through space. There's something going on. And so you, you want some sort of action or some sort of something happening in the, in the composition rather than just a pretty uh, starship shot. So... Um, not all years are like that. Sometimes you just like something that you've done and you told 
let you do whatever you want and he'll say yes or no or try again um luckily i've been pretty fortunate that he likes him pretty much out of the gate so yeah i'm good with that yeah i'm, I'm a huge fan i think they would i mean i would have loved uh, just to chat to you off the back of that mm-hmm. but having said that that obviously led to coming to work on star trek picard on the actual tv series yeah which again that, that has to have been a sort of a huge moment for you and uh oh yeah the, According to my research, if it's correct, that was because you were you were kind of found by Doug Drexler and John Eves at Wonderfest when you were sort of uh, displaying your models, and they kind of put your name forward. Is that more or less accurate? More or less. I mean, uh, Doug's never been to Wonderfest. He he knew me just through my artwork and through okay. the tips of the line. But uh, John Eves is more of a model maker himself, and he's been a guest and a, a judge at Wonderfest where where I display my models, and I've kind of known him before that, and he and I've been basically fans of each other's work online as well as in person. And I think he's been trying to get me, had been trying to get me involved in the show in some way. And it was, I think season one of Picard, he had me, had me put together a portfolio of my work to show the producers uh, for whatever work that they wanted me to do. And they didn't need me for that uh, for season one. But when season two rolled around, uh, there was a whole new uh, production staff with a new showrunner and new art director with Dave Blast and, and Terry Metalis. And, and Doug had, and actually John had, I think, been in conversation with them about some ship ideas and was trying to sell, on, sell them on the idea of a, a self-illuminated registry on a starship rather than spotlights. Because now we're in the 25th century and, you know, we don't need physical spotlights to aim down onto painted letters on the ship. We can actually have glowing letters on the yeah. surface of the ship like we have in storefronts and, and at the mall. Um, oh, yeah. So they all, I think, collectively looked at my stuff on Instagram or wherever they were directed to. And then I think Dave had saw that I can build models. So he was interested primarily in me building models for season two of Picard. And of course, the Stargazer model, the gold plated ones for the back of the ready room set. And while I was working on that, they asked me also to design a third ship, which would have been the predecessor to the original Stargazer, the Constellation class, to, but they wanted a TOS version of that. And that's kind of like my my ballpark. So it's like, yes, I'm not gonna not only get the build models for the show, but actually design one that you may or may not see, but this is with my getting my, my feet wet into the show. And uh, yeah, that was great fun. Well, th- those of us who are as nerdy as me, we definitely saw, because I was just, that was gonna be my next question was that, although you weren't credited, you did the uh, gold models for the Stargazer lineage and then for the Titan lineage in season three as well. Um, and in right. both cases, you had to do a model that wasn't ever seen on screen, but you would basically be adding that model to Canon because it's visual evidence, it's there. Um, was that daunting? And how did you decide what kind of, what class of ship you would use for those? Well, for the Titan, um, they actually weren't quite sure they were gonna have a gold plate of models on the wall. They had a limited budget and they, they originally asked me to, to build them a gold, gold Titan once I got approved and I gave them a price and I'm like, well, maybe we'll just do some Eagle Moss toys. I go, all right, that's up to you. But it was like, maybe like two weeks before they were actually ready to start shooting. They're like, we need Titan models on the, this wall. I'm like, can you build a one? It's like, yeah. So I, you know, they, they sent me over the uh, digital file of the Titan once I got through that process. Cause I'll, I can talk about that later, but um, that digital model, you know, is not ready to be printed. When you get a, a digital model from visual effects, they're not print ready. And there's no way I could have done this in two weeks. I had to scratch build the Titan model. Um, they were thinking, well, we also need 
ships to fill out the wall. There's space here for three models. Uh, yeah. Would he have laying around we can use as, as the predecessor for the Titans? They were not even concerned as to what that would be or what right. it would look like. Okay. And, and I had been working on the Shangri-La model for Terry because he really liked the Shangri-La. That's how I got selected as the Titan. So I had been building him this, this kind of mock-up, which I called the Mark II. And that became the mock-up for the Titan. So I was just sitting there on the desk, already ready to be go, ready to be painted. I said, well, how about using the Shangri-La as the predecessor to the Titan? I go, oh, they were like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I go, you think? <laughs> so uh, that was already done. So that just had to be, you know, sent over along with, I had to scratch build the Titan for uh, that one. Then they were like, well, wait, we needed the Luna for uh, to fill out this legacy. They, yeah. they were not even thinking about that at all. At that point, I'm thinking, really? I mean, that would be like, should be between before yeah, this other exactly, yeah. And they had not even considered it. And I'm like, I'm like, wow. Um, so they were on their own to do that. And I think they had to get the model from uh, Eagle Moss, and they printed that right. themselves. But uh, there was almost not going to be a Luna on the wall at all. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I would imagine they probably spoke to Sean Durango <laughs> I mean, about it because I think he's the kind of keeper of that design, really. But uh, yeah. So, so you weren't responsible for the, the Luna class one that's on the Not ship. for that one, no. And they asked me, like, well, I'm already busy trying to get this other one done in, in a week and a half. So they were, I didn't have the model for it, and they were able to get it. So they just did it themselves. Fair enough. On, on a related topic to that, I know almost nothing about the actual construction of the models. I love them, and I love to look at them and have them on display, but I don't know anything about making them. And I was just curious, when it comes to situations like that, is it more difficult to reproduce an existing sort of class design more accurately or to have one of your own designs like the Shangri-La when it was first produced or the, the Wasp from, from scratch, you know? Well, luckily I had saved, uh, I had some of the parts of the components of the models were, were, were cast and I had the molds for those. They were pretty old. So I refurbished those. So I actually, I was able to uh, remold parts of the original Shangri-La to recreate uh, the Titan and the Shangri-La as well. Um, so those were already ready to go. Um, it's pretty quick for me to do that since I have those parts in front of me on the workbench, I can be right. molding and casting and, and creating them right away, where as opposed to getting a digital file where I've got to send it to somebody else and they've got to, you know, break it apart and make it printable. And you got to wait, wait, you know, days, if not weeks to have them printed before it's even, right. even winds up in front of me. So I can then assemble them and to make the model and then get shipped off and get plated. So uh, there's always a, a longer wait time to have something printed rather than just constructing something on the workbench right now. Right. Uh, I would prefer to do it that way, especially with the Hollywood's uh, uh, tight schedule. I mean, you have to be working on something, you know, immediately. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, um, but do you do you ever find it a struggle? Because I know that there are situations where you've made sort of um, custom ships that exist for uh, other people. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who it was I saw now, so I can't shut them up, but there was somebody that mentioned, that, that was plugging you and bigging you up on, uh, I think it was on Twitter saying, that they'd had you make a model of the Strange New Worlds version of the Enterprise, which obviously there's a similar version that Eagle Moss have made, but it's not accurate to the current show. And they were sort of explaining that you 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 particularly knew exactly what to do to make that source of detail exactly the same. And uh, yeah, like is that ever really daunting that you have to match the sort of on screen exactly for, for people? Or well, that that is that model did exist as a kit, uh, the, the one one thousand right. scale. Strange, not, not the Strange New Worlds, but there was a Discovery version uh, yeah. uh, Enterprise that came out, but it didn't have the, uh, there's windows that wrap around the front of the bow on the, uh, the Strange New Worlds version. That's the only thing that they changed significantly. So yeah. um, I just went ahead and had 
that bow recreated in, in 3D as an insert. And I just cut off the front of the, the, uh, the saucer model and inserted that um, and lit that from behind. So it looked like a Strange New World Enterprise. But that was probably the toughest thing to make on that on that kit. But uh, it's um, the ones I designed for myself. You know, I don't have the kind of Hollywood pressure. This needs to be done tomorrow. I, I can spend as much time as I want them. So there, yeah, I go through a process where I'm concepting and designing it and along with the client, uh, approving that design. And then it goes into the development to be printed into components. Those parts are then printed and sent to me. And then I start constructing them, lighting them in building model. And this, this process can take weeks, if not months to do. Yeah, I, I do enjoy, I mean, I've been following obviously your work for a while, being a bit of a huge Trekkie and a ship nerd. And I do enjoy watching and, and seeing at the end of each year when you post, like these are the models that we've worked on over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. And it's always amazing because there's, there's always at least like nine or 10 that you've been working on. And yeah, I couldn't do it personally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's my full-time job as a retiree. Uh, this is uh, this is my job. This is what I build. Uh, yeah. I'm working on the shop 24-7. And, 24 /7, and uh, it's not a bad gig. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's worse things I can be doing. For sure. Awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so, yeah, talking about, like, the, the, the fact that you were hired to sort of do that work on Picard, uh, as, as I said, I don't know if you knew in advance that the Titan A would eventually become the new USS Enterprise. But when that. you found that out, did the weight of that really hit you? Like, wow, I've now, I'm now one of a select few who've co-designed the Enterprise. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a soft blow. I mean, when you, you first heard about it, like, wow, that's a, really? And then it starts to sink in, like, man, the fans are going to be mad. <laughs> um, that well, was certain that fans was are always mad about something. Yeah. They're always mad about something, but it's like, man. yeah, yeah. The responsibility is like, wow, heavy stuff. But what a what a group to be part of. I mean, you look back at all the other producer designers of the Enterprise, and to be part of that that list of guys, it's pretty impressive. I mean, to me. Yeah, I, I personally love your design. I know that there's there are some people that are always going to be critical of everything, but <laughs> as a huge fan of already of the Shangri-La, I loved the design of the Titan A, and then when it was rechristened as the Enterprise, I was like, you know, that's that's perfect. It's I, I will eventually, if it's ever available, uh, relatively inexpensively, love to have it displayed with the other Enterprise models I've got just over my shoulder here. But uh, yeah, I think it's wonderful if, they, if that came out as a kid or, or something, but yeah, not yet. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the, the ones that I've seen you've constructed that you've taken pictures of and everything are just stunning, just amazing stuff. But uh, yeah, um, yeah so eventually yeah, I had time to, to get the, the the Titan or the Enterprise G uh, model um, printable, and I was able to do I think two of those. I would I built one for Terry, another one for another guy. But uh, and then and Todd eventually wants one as well as the Titan A. Hopefully oh, this year, cool. sometime. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you may have, you may have already answered this because um, you did say you were kind of brought on board specifically for your existing models. Did you know that the what they wanted as the Titan A that would become the Enterprise would be an adaptation of the Shangri-La class? Or was that something that you came to later? No, I mean, it was something that was hinted um, between seasons two and three. Uh, Terry had asked if he could... Um, buy my Shangri-La model, not, not knowing that I had sold it previously. So I started to build him another copy of it for himself. And he kind of hinted that he might, might want to use it for the show. And I was thinking it might have just been used as a background like prop, like on the desk behind somebody. Not right. That would be in the show as a 
flying starship or even a CGI mm-hmm. thing. And then uh, I got one day I got an email from Dave Blass, uh, the art director, asking if they can see the Shangri-La model that had been working on for Terry, mocked up with Picard era engines. So now it's starting mm-hmm. to dawn on me, like, wait a minute, what's going on here? So I, I had some extra engines from the, the season two of the, the Stargazer. That was the you know, Picard era engine. So I, I photoshopped uh, those over place of the existing, you know, TMP era engines of the Shangri-La mock-up that I had. And I sent it over to Dave. And then the next morning, got an email back saying, looks great, we're going to go with it. And at, at that point, it still was not dawning on me, like, what this all meant. I mean, in their heads, they were thinking, oh, we're, this, this is going to be the hero ship for season three. But they didn't tell me that. <laughs> exactly. Initially. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. And then uh, they wanted, of course, the digital files of the, this thing, like, right away, which didn't exist because I had hand-built this model. Uh, oh, sure. There are no blueprints or, or you know 3d model three three files of it anywhere so uh that monday morning i had to take a bunch of photographs of the model and send it send it to doug directly and he rebuilt the shangri-la as best he could wow. based on these photographs i had taken a, wow. a physical model and he had one week to do it and there was no second pass there was no going back to changes for that it's like gotta go 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 and off it went into production um that's how fast it happened. And wow. okay. so my involvement after mocking it up with the engines was it. That was all they wanted from me. Yeah. It's like, we're taking the ship and going. That's fair. Was, was there anything that you would have changed if you'd had a little bit more time to work on it or not? Yeah, actually, I actually had some sketching ideas on um, what might have been, a, what I was thinking might be a second round or a second pass or a third pass, not knowing exactly. Now that I knew it was a ship to be used in a, a 25th century era um, universe. I'm thinking, well, they're going to want to change more than just swapping out the engines. So I've been on my own sketching out ideas. And when I first got started to get the first drafts back from, from Doug of what he was creating digitally, I was sending him sketches. They were like, no, no, we're, we're fine. We don't need any, any more work. I'm like, really? You're going to go with Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I, I remember I remember reading somewhere that I think that's basically because of Terry Metallis's love of the the constitution class refit <laughs> I mentioned. Earlier. Yeah. He um, just liked the Shangri-La so much as it was, he really didn't want to, to do much more to it. Um, yeah. Which was fine. And I think that's great. I mean, I, I'm proud that, you know, he really liked the Shangri-La that, that well, that that was good as is. So yeah. um, I, I would have wanted to see a little bit more tweaked more futuristically on the ship just to make it stand out as its own. But uh, there was very little time to even do that because they needed to get this thing to production. They need to create all the L cars for all the on-screen graphics so mm-hmm. they can be shooting on the set. So there was very little time um, to, to get the ship, you know, yeah, ready. I think. I mean, they spent probably what two or three months to build the uh, the Sagan for season mm-hmm. two, which you see like in two shots in like two episodes of season two, and it, yeah. yeah, here's a ship that's the hero ship. And every single episode of season three, we had a week to do it, and that's Hollywood. You gotta, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do, I do look forward to. I'm sure you'll probably be working on uh, in your spare time, you know, uh, artwork or model versions of what a, a more advanced, upgraded 25th century version might look like. Possibly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I would do exactly the same, to be honest. I, you know, you never finished, and it's always a question of what if it went in for a refit, and then if it had its new component or whatever. So sure. I can definitely see how that would be something that would be a fun hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. 
Uh, and of course, we've talked a lot about the Shangri-La class, but you did mention as well that the Dudestadt class, uh, right. pre represented primarily by the USS Intrepid, is mm -hmm. another of your designs, although it was obviously based on a, a pre-existing design that you adapted. Um, did you know that that was going to be part of Picard Season 3 as well? Oh, yes. Uh, that was another design that when I was finished with it, when I thought I was finished working on Picard, I went back to uh, my old Wasp design. I'd been working on, for many years, a, a TOS predecessor design of the wasp and i was just doing it for fun i had been working off and on on it and i had been posting kind of like uh some concept work of a tos version of the wasp and terry saw it i go oh i have an idea for this ship for the show so he and i worked back and forth just i think through through texting on instagram on developing and, and making this wasp version into a picard era version of the wasp and again, adding those extra engines and really streamlining the look, bringing the TOS version another 200 years, you know, the other direction or 100 yeah. years um, until Dave found about, hey, are you working on this model with Terry? Uh, can we have the digital file? I go, yes, I have them, a digital model of the of what, we were, what I was calling the, the Chaparral class, uh, okay. which is what I, what I was calling my TOS version at the time. And that name kind of stuck with it throughout production. Um, and, in, uh, you know, they gave it to Doug and he did this thing and he kind of you know, fleshed it out and made it into what was then called the Duderstadt class. But prior to that, it had been, I think, also called a Dayton class. Uh, right. Named for Richard Dayton, who built the model of the original uh, Enterprise uh, for the, the 1960s series. So um, that was kind of, we spent almost a month or two working on, on that, far longer for, you know, that ship, which is in one... Yeah one episode actually you see i think a couple other ones but as other ships oh, some good shots yeah <laughs> that was yeah. a fun design yeah it, it looks i'll be honest a lot more 25th century certainly mm -hmm. the saucer looks heavily adapted from the uh the original wasp interceptor um, yeah that was from the ground up you know i since i knew <laughs> that this was going to be in in the 25th century i made sure that it looked nothing like a tos anything so it had yeah. a whole a whole new primary hall uh, new engines, new pylons, everything was brand new about it. And so it fit the era, I thought. Yeah. Another gorgeous design, though, I think I, it was another one when as soon as we saw it on screen, anytime you see a new ship, we get excited, you know, being ship nerds and seeing that was kind of like, oh, wow, awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, as you say, seeing, seeing it at actual detailed angles and things rather than just a fleeting pass is mm -hmm. always appreciated so you can really get a sense of it. So as yeah. you say, that's why you've obviously got to have detailed files of these things because uh, people are going to scrutinize it, I guess. Yeah. It's such a great, a great shot um, when the the, you know, the Titan and, and the, the Intrepid are facing head to head. It's like on screen, there's both of my ships, Shangri-La and Wasp. <laughs> now, at 100 years in the future, as the Titan and and Intrepid on screen, it's like that was that was a beautiful shot ball. scene as well. The way that the uh, the Intrepid just looks angry, <laughs> just yeah. the way it bows down on it. You know, um, I think so that's why yeah. he selected that design. It could be, it's because it looks um aggressive it has that kind of yeah. you know like a an eagle in flight with this tail on sticking out of course yeah absolutely um cool so uh do, do you have a next big modeling project you'll be working on and do you have any plans to work on any more kind of tv star trek or anything big like that that you can talk about well, i have a, a list of uh, client commission work that i've been working on and it's extends in through next year and beyond so the next project is a larger scale uh, a radiant class, which I designed for uh, Picard season two, you know, the, 
for stargazer. And this one is the, the Lysander. And it's a good 30 inch long, fully lit model, not gold plated, but this is for a client. And then following that would be a TOS version of the Intrepid or the, uh, the Shaft or the Wasp. So yeah, that'd be also be large and that's next to line. And then and Terry, of course, wants his own Intrepid. So that's after that. And then there's a long list of guys waiting patiently for the next project, uh, filling up my schedule for the rest of the year. So it's yeah. back to back. I will say it always looks fantastic, the work. So I just, I love your designs. I think the, the craftsmanship is is obvious. It's just exquisite. And I've basically just done it for you, but would you like to plug anything to our listeners where they can kind of find your work or anything like that? Well, I'm on uh, Facebook. Uh, this is Bill Krause. I'm on Instagram uh, and it's threads. I think I'm Admiral Buck on Instagram. I'm Buck Admiral on Twitter, although I'm not, I've not been using that lately. Um, yeah. That's about much it. Cool. Um, and yeah, I, I won't keep you any longer because I know that you've had a busy morning and everything, but just one last question, and it is the big one. Do you have a favorite ship in the Trek franchise? Um, well, it's hard not to like the uh, the refit from the motion picture because that, I think, is what really got me going um, in Starships because it was what made Starships real for me. So that that was the inspiration, I think, to design things and in the level of detail that you would add to a starship uh either yeah. physically or model with you know with a model or even digitally i mean that was what set the standard so as a favorite that's probably it but there are a lot of I me mean, there's so many ships out there that you know that you oh, can yeah. look at and go i love that i love that i love that I love that you just can't really pick one oh it's a big so, question absolutely but i think yeah. we, we, you're among uh similar here because we, we always see i think it, it's the refit that's our ultimate you know the pinnacle but we love so many of them so I like said, look forward to seeing your designs and uh you know i i really do hope that uh, more star trek people uh, get in touch because I, I love the detail and i love that people care about these things background details it makes a big difference to the fans you know and uh yeah <laughs> and yeah, so on behalf of uh, all the fans just thank you and as i said i love the designs other people might not that's their prerogative but thank you for designing a great uss enterprise frankly <laughs> thank you very much and uh, that's great. Well, I will let you go and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, sir, and uh, live long and prosper. <laughs> you as well. Take care. Bye. Right. Thanks again to uh, to Bill for agreeing to sit down and chat with me there for uh, for half an hour or so. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. I really did enjoy it, and uh, I enjoyed geeking out about well, starships, my passion, as you can probably <laughs> tell. So it was fun for me, and I, I learned quite a little bit as well. And uh, I will say I'm going to leave all of the links to Bill's various social medias in the episode description. So do check that out. I thoroughly recommend if you haven't already following him on Twitter, Instagram, all these places. His portfolios are fantastic just to look through for Starship nerds like myself. Uh, you can see all of his work, whether it be models of existing ships or the newer ones. And I will leave a link to the actual Tycho Yards website as well. Uh, again, check that out if you can. There's some great stuff on there. And if you can afford it, maybe, you know, see if you can get one for yourself or one of these fantastic model ships. There's a lot of uh, effort and heart and passion definitely goes into these and they're pretty incredible. So, yeah, as I say, thanks again. Uh, if you have sat through this and listened to it for joining us, hopefully we'll be bringing you some more interviews like this. That is basically the intention. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, please check out our interview with the Star Trek Picard production designer, Dave Blass. Uh, which we conducted just after the end of season two. We haven't had a chance, unfortunately, to touch base regarding the season three secrets, but we do talk a lot about the uh, sort of the inception of the new USS Stargazer, the Sagan class, and the various things that would uh, would 
be introduced in the second season of Picard. And I think it's an interesting and quite quite actually a long, informative interview, that one. So hopefully that's going to be something you would enjoy. And stick around. We are going to be back here with an actual series of the podcast very soon. Uh, Mid-February, I believe, is the launch date. And that's going to be our series reviewing various Romulan-themed episodes. So do stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, uh, you can also find all of our information, as always, in the episode descriptions. Uh, if you are so inclined, we would be very grateful if you wanted to leave us uh, any kind of donation on our coffee page on Buy Us A Coffee, uh, just to help keep things taking over, keep the lights on with the podcast. And yeah, you can always find us on social media, hit us up anytime to talk uh, anything Star Trek, anything Kiki, and in particular, if you can find me on there, I'm happy to discuss my favourite Starship designs and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll get some more Starship models soon because... It's not like I don't have enough. So <laughs> in the meantime, of course, uh, you all know the drill. So, yeah, remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Produced and edited by Mike Wilson. Additional material by DK. Please remember to like this episode and spread it throughout subspace. Subscribe to the Hit or Miss YouTube channel and follow us online. Links to all of our social media pages can be found via the link tree listed in the episode's description. For any queries or to apply to be a guest on the show, you can also email HOMStarTrek at gmail.com. This podcast is part of the Mike's Podcasts Network. You can listen to this and our sister podcasts on all good podcast providers by searching for Mike's Podcasts. Hit or Miss Podcast was based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templer. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll be back, but for now, hailing frequencies closed.